It's Nick Austin, and on this edition of the podcast, we're taking a look at the arguments for and against single-use plastic bags. You know, the plastic bags you're used to getting when you shop at the grocery store or go into your local mini-mart, pick up some items. Often they give you a plastic bag. These are the ones that we're talking about. And currently in Michigan, local governments aren't allowed to place restrictions on plastic bag use. They're not allowed to say, hey, you can't use them in our municipality, or even, hey, we're going to put a tax on it. So if you want a plastic bag, you have to pay a little bit extra. Not allowed to do that right now, though a new bill is seeking to change that, both in the Michigan House and Senate. But why is this an issue? Environment has something to do with it, but also convenience and what kind of effect will it have on local businesses? There are arguments for and against it. We wanted to get into that. And to help us do it, we were joined by Andrea Bitely, Vice President for Marketing and Communications at the Michigan Retailers Association as well as Christy McGillivray, the political and legislative director for the Sierra Club of Michigan, an environmental justice organization. Christy, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks. It's great to be here. You're someone who thinks that local governments should be allowed to institute bans on plastic bags. You're someone who thinks that we shouldn't have a statewide ban on allowing local municipalities to do this. What are your arguments for it? Sure. Um, you know, when you guys invited me to come on the show, I was thinking there's, you know, three ways we can talk about this problem. We can approach it from the local control issue. Um, local communities should have a say over the uh, various statutes that they want to put in place to protect public health, protect local waterways. Um, we can talk about repealing the worst excesses of the Snyder administration. Um, this was a profoundly anti-democratic move. Um, or we can talk about the direct connection between this and climate change and big oil. A lot of listeners uh, might not be aware that plastic is oil. The largest producers of plastic in the world are also oil companies like ExxonMobil and Chevron. So if we want to be really serious about cutting greenhouse gas emissions, which we have to be, if we want to be really serious about making sure that we're protecting public health, we have to stop using oil, which means we have to stop using single-use plastic. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, there's a lot of ways that we can get into this. One is, of course, the ability of local municipalities to make their own decisions. That's certainly a portion of it. But I think another thing that people just kind of want to talk about or would be interested in, and is it a good idea or not? So when we talk about uh, the scope of this plastic problem and what you believe actually repealing or um, strike that actually preventing people from using or putting a tax on plastic bags, what kind of impact would we actually expect that to have on our environment? So right now, you mentioned it, a uh, great stat, 22 million pounds of plastics uh, winds up in the Great Lakes every year. Um, that would be uh, significantly alleviated by discouraging the use of single-use plastics like plastic bags. Uh, we'd also see a lot less strain on our stormwater facilities. So uh, not only does plastic production help drive climate change and extreme weather events, those weather events are actually exacerbated by plastic bags clogging wastewater infrastructure, making flooding problems problems even worse. So we're really caught in a uh, feedback loop here where greenhouse gas emissions are being ramped up because of plastic production. And then dealing with the consequences of those greenhouse gas emissions is made even more complicated by the presence of plastics. So in our opinion, it's a win-win. Uh, I think that we also want to make sure that we help our business community transition away from the use of plastics. I think that we all have a lot more in common um, than we do that divides us. The real issue here is the 
oil and gas industry and the petrochemical industry, not retailers and businesses that we want to help support in a transition away from this dangerous economic practice. Yeah. And so that would have to contemplate what the alternatives would be. And speaking of the business perspective, Andrea, we want to bring you in right now to get your take on the potential uh, bill that would repeal the ban on uh, on, on on plastic bags or, or having bans on plastic bags or, or things like that. Andrea, what are your thoughts on this legisl- legislation? Why do you think it's a bad idea? Sure. I am in full agreement with my fellow guest here and the retail community is as well. And that's why many of our larger retailers in the state have been working for several years to move beyond the traditional single-use plastic bag by encouraging the use of paper bags, reusable bags, et cetera. Um, But there are a few reasons that uh, retailers have felt that they had to have plastic bags. Uh, We are still coming out of a global pandemic. And for quite a while, there were um, prohibitions or um, whether store-wide or personal choice prohibitions on using reusable bags um, to avoid spreading pathogens, especially in the early days of the pandemic. Um, We also look in a grocery setting to buying certain items that may have the ability to, again, spread pathogens. If you're purchasing um, a meat product, and a vegetable product that while you may rinse, you may not be cooking, you don't necessarily want those things to be touching. So we are looking at health and safety um, in addition to environmental issues. And again, that's why retailers have been exploring other options over the years, uh, especially the last few years. Um, and again, appreciate appreciate the, uh, the consideration for what the business community could be facing. When we get into a situation where we have 82 different regulations governing the way the state of Michigan runs, um, it can be very confusing and challenging, especially for smaller businesses. Um, It's one thing for a larger operation to phase out plastic bags. Uh, It's another thing for a smaller mom and pop size business to have to make a big transition away from a low cost item to a much higher cost item, i.e. paper bags. Uh, we've also seen supply chain issues with ensuring that we have the ability to provide people with a way to transport their goods away from that retail store. And so because of these concerns, are you saying that a statewide ban would be necessary to protect local businesses or smaller businesses in these municipalities that might choose to institute their own ban? Or do you think that the local municipality would have a better idea of what works for their local small businesses? What our take is, is that we would like businesses to be able to make these decisions up for themselves. Right now, they are doing that. Um, You're seeing businesses transition away from plastics on their own. Um, And as consumers continue to make the choice to not use single-use plastic bags um, and use paper bags and use reusable bags, uh, I think we're going to see more and more businesses go in that direction. Um, I happen to be one of those people that I don't look at a plastic bag as a single-use item. Um, you and I may use them for many different purposes. And I I think the term single-use is a little, maybe not exactly accurate. So let's give people, let's give consumers and businesses the option to pick how they want to live their lives. Hmm. 
You know, Christy, I think Andrea does bring up a good point there on single use because I don't single use my plastic bags either. You can find them lining trash bags and uh, or lining uh, trash kit receptacles in my bathroom. I've used them as uh, modified uh, galoshes sometimes when I need to put them on shoes. You know, you can use them for I'm probably carried lunch into work today with one. What response do you have to the concern she brought up, especially considering hygiene cost and the ability of people to use these multiple times. Sure. I mean, I think uh, first <clears throat> a note on the the hygiene question. I think um, public health concerns are at the core of local moves to ban plastic. So uh, when plastic wasn't even produced until the 1950s and plastic bags didn't exist uh, in grocery stores across the country until 1979. So there are a lot of your listeners that probably grew up without single-use plastic bags and their lives were not notably worse because of the absence of those plastic bags. So I think that the concerns about the difficulties that consumers uh, and industry will face without plastic bags are a little overblown. Um, in terms of the the idea that we use them a couple times. Yeah. Can I push back on that sure. one point real quick, though? The alternatives at that time were things like paper bags and, and such. So we were still using items that were single use ish. They probably just held up less and had a worse impact on the environment. So I don't think you're saying you want to go back to that time, right? I think that what we're saying is we have even more alternatives available now. Mm. Um, so material science has progressed a long way. And the consequences of the plastic production industry are dire. So we're seeing dramatic changes uh, in uh, global uh, fertility rates. We're seeing serious impacts on food chains within the Great Lakes. And the scale of the problems associated with single-use plastic far outweigh our perception of their convenience. Um, so, you know, I think it's a, a particular irony um, that we've made a progress, uh, an item that is like functionally indestructible. Plastic never breaks down. Um, we are now talking about nanoplastics and plastic seeding clouds. And uh, we make billions of products out of these indestructible materials um, that are meant to be used once or maybe even a handful of times. Mm. Um, so when we're looking at uh, a geologic time scale and the fact that geologists are now referring to an actual layer in the geologic record associated with plastic production, um, they're even using a product a couple times uh, doesn't match the scale of the impact and how long it's going to be around. Well, let's talk about uh, impacts a little bit. Uh, and before we get to that, speaking of alternatives, you mentioned there are other things that we could be using. What are alternatives then that you would support or you think we should use instead of these what we call single-use plastic you know, bags. There are amazing communities online uh, that are available for folks that are interested in exploring this. Um, I know there are you know, reuse and refill stores. There's one in Troy. Um, and I really encourage listeners to explore all the different options that are out there. Um, We've got a, a lot of creativity in the business sector, and there are a lot of folks that are turning away from this. And you know, speaking to that, I think that uh, we've created a, we've collectively created a problem when it comes to plastic pollution, and we need to collectively solve it. Um, relying on individual choice is not going to address the scale of a truly uh, collectively and global industrial problem. Mm. What do you say in response, Andrea? From what I'm hearing from Christy, the situation right now is just too dire for us not to ignore it. We do need to use more of our uh, political muscle and willpower to battle back against these issues we're having with plastics. I think they're really interesting arguments. Again, I go back to that health and safety approach. Um, sure, things uh, in the 1950s prior to plastic were a little bit different. Uh, but one thing that retail and industry have done is they are 
providing ways, one, to recycle those bags. And two, um, we know that um, the pathogens that are spreading, we weren't even aware of them back in those days. Um, but again, we are talking about personal choice here. Um, and individuals have the right to make a choice and whether they use plastic or not. I, I understand the um, arguments that are being made against plastic, but I also see so many reasons that plastic has made things a lot better for a lot of people. And I don't think um, we really are understanding the fact that there are safety issues here mm. um, and there's cost issues associated with all of this as well. Um, and I know I'm a reuser, reusable bag person as frequently as I can, yeah. but you know, sometimes you didn't plan to make that last minute stop. You're a busy, you know, parent coming back home from school. You get that call. We're out of diapers or we're out of such and such. And you make that quick run into the grocery store and you bring home what you need. Um, we're talking about a convenience factor. And again, it's, mm -hmm. I'm sitting here in the rain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> plastic well, protects our goods and from, yeah. you know, yeah. wetness, snow, etc. Sure. Well, get first get out of the rain. We don't want you to catch a cold. Okay. <laughs> we don't. We want everybody to be yeah. healthy on Detroit today. But we also want to hear from you out there listening right now. Do you use plastic bags at the grocery store? And do you think it is a bad thing or that it doesn't really matter? What do you think of allowing local governments to pass uh, plastic bag bans. Do you think it's a good idea? Do you think we should be banning the use of single plastic bags? Or if not, uh, why do you think it's a bad idea? What alternatives would you have? Give us a call, 313-577-1019. Again, 313-577-1019, and we can work you into the conversation. Christy, I know that you have a point that you wanted to get into there, but, uh, well, no, I'll let you go ahead with your point before I ask my next question. Go ahead. Great. Um, plastic bags aren't recyclable. Only about 9% of all the plastic ever produced has actually been recycled. So I think that that's a, a real fallacy. Uh, and the other point I want to make is that the repeal of this ban doesn't actually create a statewide ban or it doesn't create local bans on plastic bags either. It gives local governments the opportunity to make the choice themselves in yeah. consultation with their constituents. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I want to be clear about that. While we, while we are having a discussion about whether it's a good idea or bad idea, I don't want to conflate that with the specific legislations here. And we are going to have a state senator who sponsored a bill that will clarify that also. But we're talking about this issue right now. Calls are coming in. We're going to go to you in just a moment. But one thing I do want to ask you, Christy, is... Another thing when we're thinking about environmental impact is the impact that creation of uh, alternatives would have on the environment. One thing that we see out there that maybe is an unintended consequence is the carbon footprint from creating things, you know, uh, for multi-use bags, you know, things like that, or, or cotton bags. That can have 10 to 15 to 50 times the carbon footprint of making a single-use plastic bag, which would mean you'd have to use the thing 15, 15, 50 times before it made up for the creation of the uh, plastic bag, sometimes more. What do you say in response to the fact that the carb or the idea that the carbon footprint of alternatives might be worse than just the single use bags, which some people reuse? You know, you said a really important word there, might. So strongly agree that we have to zero in on carbon emissions. And I just want to go back to the point I made earlier that uh, single-use plastic bags are oil. So it takes 12 million gallons of oil to make the 
plastic bags that Americans use in one year. I am incredibly serious about cutting carbon. I think everyone else is as well. And that means we should no longer use fossil fuels. Mm. So uh, we rely on modeling a lot, which is not always accurate. What we know for sure is that oil is plastic. All right. And what we know for sure is I need to take a break and I need to get to these phones. So when we return, we're going to start speaking with you, getting you involved in this conversation because you got a lot of things to say and we want to hear them. On Detroit Today, we're going to continue our discussion about whether or not we should ban plastic bags in just a moment. Getting into the discussion of whether or not we should ban the use of plastic bags in our local municipalities. The pros and cons of single plastic bag use to help us discuss it. I'm joined by Andrea uh, Bightley, the vice president and marketing uh, for marketing and communications at Michigan Retailers Association, as well as Christy McGillivray the political and legislative director for the Sierra Club of Michigan, an environmental justice organization. We want to speak with you as well. And uh, that's why we're going to start getting in the phone line, starting off right now with, uh, let's see, we've got uh, Chad in uh, Chad in Oak Park. Go ahead, or go ahead, Chad. You're on Detroit Today. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Listening to it, I mean, yeah, there's, hello, thank you. Uh just because it's convenient or a choice doesn't mean that it's not bad. Like she's not acknowledging that it is bad. It, it feels like I'm watching uh, that movie. Thanks for smoking. It's just talking points that she's given us. Uh, this is clearly not great. Plastic hasn't mm. even been around for a hundred years. And we're already having a discussion about how terrible it is right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like oil. It's like cigarettes. It's like fast food. Yeah. Fast food's convenient. Uh, it's your choice to have it, but it makes you fat and gives you heart disease. Like, that's where we're at right now. Yeah, so. no, I, I appreciate that uh, point, Chad. And again, I got a lot of calls, so we're going to start moving through them. I don't know if she's necessarily, and I think you're meaning Andrea, not acknowledging that. I think we're talking about the cost-benefit analysis here. Like, would the solution be worse than the problem? It's one of the reasons we're having the discussion right now and one of the reasons why uh, we're allowing folks to get in and make their calls as we move right now to Bernadette in Old Redford. Bernadette, go ahead. You're on Detroit today. You there, Bernadette? All right. Looks like we don't have Bernadette. I'm going to put you back on hold, Bernadette. I'm going to move to you, though, Andrea. If you have a response to what Chad said there about not acknowledging uh, the harms that are inherent with plastic, what's your response to him? Oh, the industry, uh, grocery industry, everybody acknowledges that plastic isn't forever, and it's not what we want our consumers to be using. And that's why so many retailers have really set goals um, to move into reusable bags um, and to provide consumers and shoppers a place to um, either return their bags or bring in um, their own bags. In fact, uh, one of our major grocery stores here in Michigan has set goals to make their packaging from 100% reusable, recycle, and compostable materials. You know, we're having the ability to bring these bags back to the stores, you know, have them made into other products. I don't think anybody in grocery is saying that plastic is the best thing. Sure. What we are saying is give consumers options um, and and let them make the choice. I just want to jump in because I did hear you Mm -hmm. make the point. I guess what I want to make sure you have an opportunity to answer, though, is if we would agree that it's a bad thing, then why would we allow a certain group 
to continue to do the bad thing that's harmful if we have alternatives? Human choice Mm. is what it comes down to. All right. The value of human choice. Hey, you're allowed to make bad decisions. I understand that. Or decisions that I might disagree with. Maybe your decision is good. Maybe I'm missing something here as we move right now to Gary in Sterling Heights. Gary, go ahead. You're on Detroit today. Yeah. Hi. Thank you for taking my question. Uh, My question is, if we start moving away from plastic and to paper, uh, recycled paper, can we produce enough recycled paper to stay away from cutting down more trees to make bags? Mm. Christy, it seems like that's in your wheelhouse. What's the response? Um, I love the idea. We need a circular economy. Our consumption economy is fundamentally not sustainable. Uh, the caller makes a fantastic point. I think that we also don't have to have this conversation in a hypothetical vacuum. 500 cities across the country have taken different steps to either discourage or ban plastic bags. Uh, 21 other states have. Business isn't suffering there. We can do this. And a quick point on choice. Uh, Choice is not something that happens in a vacuum either. The choice to produce, uh, you know, plastic bags, millions of plastic bags every year limits the choices of others when it comes to the health impacts of bags, the impacts on our stormwater system, and the serious impacts on wildlife. So choice isn't in a vacuum either. It's not either or, it's context. Yeah, no, I, I can understand that. And I like I said, we do have some more calls to get to, so I'm going to keep getting to one. We got Cindy in Ferndale. Go ahead. You're on Detroit Today. Hi. Um, Regarding this choice issue, I just think that that's a really weak argument. Many municipalities ban the burning of leaves. Um, Why? Because of all the emissions it puts in the air and then there's a fire danger. But it's my choice. I'm going to burn my leaves? No. Um, I don't have the choice to use leaded gas. There's many, many things that we have to relinquish for the public good, you know, to demand, Meyer, put your groceries in a plastic bag. What kind of choice is that? That's just silly. I appreciate you coming through, Cindy in Ferndale, giving us your point as we continue to move through callers right now. We've got Bernadette again in Old Redford. Bernadette, go ahead. You're on Detroit today. Hi, I frequently do curb patrol in in, uh, the one-mile stretch of my neighborhood, and I see plastic bottles in the storm drains and at the curbs. And if you observe on 8 Mile, the storm drains are clogged with uh, plastic water bottles and um, plastic bags. So the aesthetics of the neighborhood are affected by all of these one-use plastic bags and uh, drinking water bottles. Yeah, you know, aesthetic is something that comes up. I think that's one of the reasons why, like in Canada, they have a ban that's happening right now. You know, when these things go into place here in the country as well, I think you see them more on the coasts. Uh, Some people might say it's because a little bit more liberal, but maybe, oh, well, correct me if I'm wrong. Where do you see these going into effect, Christy, and what's been the result uh, nationwide when they've gone into Uh, effect? Lawrence, Kansas has a... That is not on the coast. Nope, it's definitely not on the coast. Um, They uh, have seen a lot of success. The the effect is good. Municipalities save money. Um, There's obviously the blight issue. Uh, You know, Brisbane, Arizona... Uh, so they moved to uh, ban single-use plastic bags. And in response, their yeah. state legislature did the same thing that ours did. Yeah. You know, you said municipalities saved money. What about the businesses, however? What has been the impact on the economics of the businesses, if you know? 
There are a lot of different ways to structure these policies. In uh, some cases where you put a tax on a plastic bag to disincentivize its use, uh, part of the revenue generated from that can actually go back to businesses to help them manage their waste on the other end. Uh, there are extended producer responsibility regimes, which require the industries making a product to actually pay for and account for the cost of that disposal. Mm. And in this case, we are talking about big oil. Big oil needs to account for the cost of using 12 million gallons of oil a year to produce all the plastic bags we use. That cost should not be on consumers. It should not be on cities. Frankly, it shouldn't be on retailers either. We're going to continue our conversation right now. Before I do that, a couple of folks called in with points. Mark says we have to to start to let go of convenience and the culture of convenience, he's saying, in terms of uh, making our choices on what we should be doing when it comes to plastic bags, whether or not to allow for bans on plastic bags. We also have Mike in Gross Point who says, need to repeal the ban altogether because it's too much havoc to have different systems. This goes to the point that I think that you are also bringing up, Andrea, about the fact that it is hard for uh, businesses to negotiate different uh, different ideas, different uh, requirements in different municipalities. It's better off if we have something that's just uh, more even-handed across the state. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation, though, right now with Robert in Detroit. Robert, go ahead. You're on Detroit today. Hi. Um, you know, I heard a lot of talk about single-use plastic, and, you know, when I get a plastic bag from the grocery store, I like to reuse it to pick up my dog's right. droppings or use it to um, put garbage in and, and put it out in the trash. I think the solution might be to just have biodegradable plastic as an option or where it can be used and then not be a problem to the environment. Yeah, what do you go ahead. Packaging for a lot of uh, stuff that you buy, that stuff seems to last forever, and that's what's filling up all of the recycle bins. Mm, mm. Maybe we're looking at the wrong issue here, right? Focusing our attention on single-use plastic bags when it should be better focused on something else. But Christy, do you know much about the efficacy of biodegradable plastics? There's a, a lot of research being done in different um, material science forums. I think that, uh, you know, we need to keep supporting that, doing that. Uh, in the meantime, we have to uh turn off the tap at the source. Mm. So, you know, we're in a climate crisis. Plastic bags, again, they're oil. Uh, they also actually release greenhouse gases when they start breaking down in the environment. There's recent research showing that as well. Mm. So while we support research into better material science, we need to make sure that we turn off the tap and cut greenhouse gas emissions and stop using oil. Yeah. Let me cycle back to one other thing that Robert in Detroit said. <clears throat> and thanks again, Robert in Detroit for, for that point. He mentions how he uses it for multi-use. He uses it, for example, to pick up dog droppings and things like that. And I have also seen some concerns, some studies related to if you ban people's access to these single-use bags, which have their issues, but again, lower carbon footprint than some of the alternatives people use. For example, going out and actually buying trash bags or buying things specifically to pick up dog droppings, again, creating a larger carbon footprint. What response do you have to that? Well, I'd go back to the actual law that's being discussed right now. And what this would do would give municipalities the choice to yeah. decide how they can best structure what is going to work for their community. And I think when we're getting really serious about greenhouse gas emissions and carbon, uh, making sure that we cut this off at the source yeah. and actually measure it and track it is the best way that we can tackle the problem. The other alternatives to uh, single-use plastic bags um, are 
nowhere near as dire as propping up the oil industry and their production of single-use plastic. Yeah, with the understanding, again, I know it's local municipalities, local get to decide. But in terms of the actual whether we should do it or not, like you're you're talking about your local municipality. Mm -hmm. That's the response I'm looking for. I think you gave it to me, but just to confirm, in terms of your mind, what's your response specifically to, hey, this will actually increase the carbon footprint because people will go out and buy bags instead of just using the single use that have a lower footprint that they had access to? Um, I'm not sure I understand the differentiation between people buying bags or using like grocery bags. I'll, I'll, I'll explain. So if you go out and buy a trash bag, those typically are thicker, right? The trash bags that people would use, for example, to pick up dog droppings or oh, to pick- Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 I got it. I got it. So I think that um, there are a lot of biodegradable single use uh, bags that folks can use. Um, And I think, you know, a great solution would be for municipalities to actually especially provide those unpopular walking areas. I think we've seen that before. The, you know, dog pickup bags that Mm -hmm. can be available um, and those can be made out of better products. So. Um, the the ease and convenience of single-use plastic bags isn't a function of everyone necessarily demanding them. It's just that they're there. Mm. So we need to change the structure and change the incentive structure. Um, and I think that we can do that and come up with a much better solutions. Let's go to Anna in Dearborn. Anna, go ahead. You're on Detroit Today. Hey, um, yeah. So I am an aquatic ecologist in the area, and I uh, study of the Great Lakes. So I kind of just wanted to chime in with some comments on like local environmental impacts of, uh, well, specifically microplastics. Um, you know, this is a complex issue that has intersections with environmental justice. You know, plastics have given people with disabilities, you know, access to certain things. So I don't want to discount any of that. But just like speaking from the Great Lakes, I, <laughs> I just don't want any plastics in them. Um, microplastics are, you know, in, in all of our Great Lakes. And uh, I actually did a study where we fed um, uh, filter feeder mussel microplastics, and they embedded themselves in the mussel's gills and all of its soft tissues. Uh, there are just so many environmental effects that we don't even know are happening with plastics in our freshwater resources. And I think Personally, that's really concerning. Um, One other thing that's concerning to me about the amount of uh, plastics and microplastics in the Great Lakes is their ability to, um, contaminants will stick to plastic sometimes. So plastics in the Great Lakes can be kind of a, um, you know, unanticipated route for contaminant exposure and movement throughout the environment, specifically with cyanobacteria toxins. I know those stick to microplastics and, you know, we're thinking of ways to not let the, you know, 2014 Toledo water crisis happen again and plastics play a role in that. And I, yeah, just wanted to comment on how I I think the environmental, local environmental role of microplastics is just like way understated and not well understood. You know, we need Mm. to do a lot more research, but Yeah. yeah, I'm definitely for cities having the right to choose to ban bags if they want. Very good. I appreciate it. Anna and Dearborn lending your aquatic ecology expertise to the program as we move right now to Jonathan in Gross Point. Jonathan, go ahead. You're on Detroit today. Hi, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I get the pleasure of living in Michigan and Colorado, and I was part of the uh, team that lobbied for uh, Hospital 1129, uh, I think I got that right, um, that actually passed this exact law 
in Colorado and for many, many reasons. And for all the listeners out there, this will show you little or no change in your current and, and, and uh, behaviors on many levels, uh, except for you're going to change your own culture. Just like we put implemented plastics into our culture, we can implement plastics out of our culture. Now, this law started off with a plastics ban uh, starting January of 23. The, the second half of it is the ability to, to eliminate all single-use plastics, uh, and, and that starts July 24, um, in the sense of letting the municipalities choose for their themselves, period. That's mm-hmm. it. And so if a community that wants to help out the environment on many aspects, including their, their uh, recycled containers and the machinery that does, tries to sort those containers gets all clogged up. Plastic bags really don't work as galoshes very well. They do have holes in them. They don't and work very the, well. <laughs> you, get, you can and, put uh, like five or six of, on and get a little bit better, but go ahead. Exactly, and we don't want five or six of those. And at the same time, this is a very simple first step in the laws. We don't need single-use plastics or, better yet, no-use plastics. And what I mean by that, and I'll end with this, the city of Denver has passed a law that has just say no uh, to to these plastics. For instance, what you do is when you go into a store, they don't automatically put your to-go containers in a bag, throw in a handful of whatever your, your, your product is, and then you walk away and then you end up throwing that stuff away. Okay. To my friend that's, um, uh, I think her name is Angie. I'm sorry if I got that wrong. You got it right. Go ahead. Okay. Um, You made a comment, and and I respect what you do very well. I've I've had numerous conversations with similar folks in Colorado with you when we got the law passed by Governor Polis. And you made the comment that the large, big box stores have been working for years the word that you used was years to solve this problem. And mom and pa is going to be hurt the most. It's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. Mom yeah. and pa doesn't have yeah. the storage for these containers, and Big Box has sure. hundreds of millions of these things. So, that you know, that's, yeah. let's just talk about the culture. Thank you so much. No, I, I appreciate it, Jonathan. Just jumping in because, again, a lot of calls. And I want to give Andrea an opportunity to respond, especially there's been a lot of calls there pushing back on your position. Andrea, I know you've been listening intently. I want to make sure to give you the opportunity to respond. Go to respond. Go ahead. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. So when it comes to um, manufacturing of paper bags as an alternative to plastic bags, one thing that I've heard from our membership is that when it comes to ordering, the priority goes to the larger big box stores. Um, during the last few years, some of our smaller members, our you know three to five employee stores, have been making this transition from plastic to paper bags. Unfortunately, they are put last on the list for the orders because they're ordering so many fewer than the larger stores. So it costs more for these smaller businesses to purchase the paper bags. And it also takes a lot longer of a runway for them to get it. And so there is definitely more of a burden on these smaller stores. However, many of them have already made the transition to either a pay for purchase reusable, you know, bag 
or they are moving into paper. So what it comes down to is grocery and retail are moving towards these alternate bags on their own um, and forcing change um, away from a plastic bag um, 83 different ways across the state of Michigan um, with 83 different types of regulations or more, um, depending on if, you know, the city of Ann Arbor does it one way and Washington County does it another way. Mm. What it comes down to is this free, the free market is going to determine what happens with plastic bags and whether people use them or not. Um, I believe you brought up a few minutes ago, you know, the reusable factor. And one thing that was mentioned was putting reusable bags, I'm sorry, um, single use plastic bags along frequent ways that people walk their dogs. Um, so we're moving the cost to taxpayers. Mm, yeah. Andrea, we're going to in get into case. more of this. Actually, Andrea and Christy, can you both stick with us? Because I got the state senator. I want to bring her in. She's got limited time to talk about the bill and then get back to you. So sure. can we both stay here? Andrea, mm-hmm. you good? All right. We're going to keep it going. I'm going to take that as a yes. And when we return on Detroit Today, we're going to talk to State Senator Sue Shink to see what she's looking to do with this bill to repeal the ban on allowing local municipalities to ban plastic bags. What a mouthful. We'll get into it in a moment when we continue on Detroit Today. help us discuss this more. We're joined by State Senator Sue Schink, who's sponsoring one of the bills to repeal that law. State Senator Schink, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks, Nick. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here, too. I know you've got a limited amount of time. So tell us, what's the bill? What would it do and why? So the bill is pretty simple. It just repeals the law that was passed in 2016 to preempt any kind of local ordinance regulating the use, disposition, sale, or prohibiting or restricting or imposing any fee, charge, or tax on certain containers, which are basically plastic containers. And the reason that that law in 2016 was passed is because Washtenaw County, along with the city of Ann Arbor, wanted to impose a small fee on those containers to help pay for the processes that ultimately will get them out of the environment and into a good place like recycling. And so, you know, I heard one of the speakers, I think Andrea, talk about the burden being shifted to the taxpayers, quite frankly, it already is, but in a really chaotic way. So um, in Washtenaw County, the, the Ann Arbor Recycling Center wants to go to a closed-loop system, but with all the bags that are coming through the waste stream, it's, it's basically impossible without spending millions more dollars. And uh, that community wants to regulate the way plastic is, is spewing out into the environment. We have 22 million pounds of plastic going into the lake, our lakes each year. Somebody's got to take care of that or it's going to be a huger environmental disaster. And there's research, and um, I, can't, I can't speak exactly to, you know, how, how, what the rate is, but there's research that shows that plastic contributes to birth defects, mm. male infertility, autism, pancreatic cancer, blood cancer, bone, liver, yeah. and larynx cancer, all of that is really expensive, not just in a monetary way, but in a personal way. So we're just looking for a way for communities to take some action because, quite yeah. frankly, the people who are making the plastic bags and sending them out into the environment aren't taking that responsibility themselves. I appreciate it, Senator Schink. I know we just have a limited amount of time, but here's my question, and then we'll let you go. If this is such a problem, then why are we just repealing a ban? Why wouldn't we just ban it statewide since it's such a big issue? 
Well, you already heard a couple of speakers who are, um, you know, fighting this. And um, if they would work with us on a statewide ban, I think a lot of people would be happy to. But what this is, is not a statewide ban. It's not an imposition. It's the ability of local governments to make those decisions with their local residents about a solution that works for them. It'll encourage innovation. And, and, and I really think that it's, it's a very small step in the right direction. All right. Well, we'll have to have you back on. I know you got to go, so I won't keep you <clears throat> much longer, but have to have you back on. State Senator Schenck, thanks for joining us on Detroit Today. I would love to. Thanks for accommodating me, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Very good. Andrea, there was a lot of discussion about you there. So again, I know I had to cut you off to allow Senator Schenck to get in here. I want to give you an opportunity to continue with what you were saying and maybe respond to State Senator Schenck. Thank you. Appreciate it. What it comes down to is the grocery industry and others are already working towards some of the changes that she mentioned. They offer ways to return your bags. They offer alternatives at the checkout line. Um, No one is forcing anyone to take a plastic bag. Um, And that's what I I keep getting the impression that that's what some folks are, are thinking here. You can take whatever bag, you can bring whatever bag you would like into the store. Uh, it's up to all of us to focus on what matters to us. Yeah. So I appreciate the conversation here today. Yeah, definitely. Well, I would wonder about uh, what about uh, communities? For example, we're talking about access to bags. Uh, I know dog walking came up a lot, but we use these single bags for a lot of things. And I think about uh, lower income communities, communities with less means, you know, use of plastic bags, Absolutely. their ability to. Do you have a response to that? I mean, what impact have you seen or do you hear from your organization or, or business owners about what effect it might have on those communities? Uh, Andrea. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing we've definitely seen during the uh, last few years is the increase in grocery delivery, uh, especially for people who are unable to go out on their own and make those purchases. Um, And that means someone's delivering things to your house. And sometimes um, groceries end up sitting out on the porch in the sun, um, in the rain, etc. before an individual is able to grab their grab their grocery items off their porch or from wherever it is they're picking them up. So the plastic prevents things from getting wet and or damaged uh, in the meantime. And it's incredibly challenging for folks who are dealing with, you know, a more low income life to have all of the same benefits that those of us that aren't in that situation deal with. Um, So the ability to throw some, um, plastic bags into your reusable bag to make sure that your groceries aren't impacting each other, you know, Mm. add a little extra insulation around um, a frozen item, et cetera, um, to bring things to and from the grocery store is very helpful. Yeah. You know, I got to say, sometimes when I put it in a, a, one of those uh, multi-use bags and the cold items mixing with warm ones and gets a little greasy in there. I don't like it so much. As we're speaking with Andrea Bitely, Vice President for Marketing and Communications at the Michigan Retailers Association, as well as Christy McGillivray, the Political and Legislative Director for the Sierra Club of Michigan, uh, you might have an opportunity to jump in as well. 313-577-1019 to work your way into this conversation. Christy, I come back to you to make sure that you have an opportunity to respond to anything you just heard. 
Sure. Um, I am incredibly concerned, uh, much like, uh, you know, callers and the other guests have mentioned about impacts on low-income communities. Uh, petrochemical refineries, which is where plastic bags are made, are uh, cited in low-income majority black communities. Um, the health impacts here are severe. Uh, cancer rates, COPD, asthma, chronic health problems, lower life expectancy. I think it is uh, almost disingenuous to profess concern for low-income folks um, and not acknowledge the incredible harm that the petrochemical industry has on the low-income majority black communities where it operates. Um, I'd also point out that uh, litter is a huge problem in other low-income communities as well, and a lot of that litter, almost all of it, is single-use uh, plastic and plastic bags. Yeah. So I think that if we're really concerned almost about all of it, almost all of it, especially along the side of the road. And if we're really concerned about environmental justice, we need to uh, listen to folks in those communities describing their concerns. And their concerns are the health impacts of petrochemical yeah. manufacturing. You know, Christy, I, I hear the petrochemical manufacturers. I get that. I don't think banning all uh, single use plastic bags is going to put them out of business. Although I do understand the current concerns about that. There are alternatives that we have to sure. working back against them, legislative action, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, single use plastic bags. Is that the best way to do it? Potentially. I don't I just don't know what kind of dent it would make. Um, unless you do. It's a first step, right. right? And so I think I would, you know, I'd love to come back on and talk about the uh, regulatory reforms we need to hold industry accountable. Uh -huh. um, I think what I'm really getting at is the uh, disparity between the health impacts faced by low-income communities yeah. and the conflation of that yeah. with concern for environmental justice and the use of single-use plastic bags. All right, all right. I hear you there. Jake in Wayne County, I know you got a question for everybody. We've got about 30 seconds left for your question. So go ahead. You're on Detroit today. Hi. So, you know, I'm hearing a lot of talk about the uh, the reusable bags and stuff like that. And I guess my question is, is, you know, the last few years, the headway with hemp and just the reusable products and possibilities it has. I work in the construction industry. I actually own my own company. Uh, and that's one of the things that I've kind of been paying attention to is what, uh, you know, how can we incorporate hemp more into some of these reusable needs that we're talking about on a day-to-day -day basis? All right. Thanks, Jake in Wayne County. I'd be concerned that hemp might be a little more, uh, take have a higher carbon footprint, might not be worth it. Do you know, Christy, is it a, a reasonable alternative? Yes. There is no material that has as high a carbon footprint as oil and the plastic manufacturing petrochemical industry. No, but I'm talking about the, so the rendering, the, the, the processes that it takes to get the hemp in a method that it could be a plastic bag. You're saying, nope, it still would be lower than single-use plastic bags. I am absolutely saying okay. that. The carbon associated with the extraction of oil and the refining of plastic mm -hmm. is one of the largest sources of carbon emissions in the world. All right, very good. Uh, Christy McGillivray, thanks for joining us on Detroit Today. Andrea Bightley, thank you for joining us on Detroit Today. Appreciate it. Detroit Today is produced by Sam Corey and me, Nick Austin. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Our assistant producer is Maddie Boyer. Our music is by Sam Bobian and Will Sessions. Podcast editing by David Lyons. And our program director is Adam Fox. Detroit Today is a production of WDET in Detroit. You can support the show by leaving a rating or a comment. Thanks for listening.